Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. About our God, about his approach to us, about how he sees us, about that that is beyond face value. The almighty God, our creator, sees us very specially and very specifically. Planning for this service this week, I find myself uh, watching some YouTube videos that were made up of pictures of just people's faces from all around the world. There was actually several different uh, people that have traveled the country, taken pictures of people and traveled the world and taken pictures of people in all different types of settings and just kind of put it to music on uh, on YouTube, if that's something that you're interested in. And uh, the point, of course, that is being made is is a beautiful point. That God has created a glorious array of humanity. As much as we celebrate the creation of earth, as much as we celebrate the creation of uh, nature and its uh, diverse beauty, as much as we like to see the mountains and the valleys and we love to see the fall trees change color, and we love to see the deserts and the oceans, We see the diversity of God's beautiful creation. We sometimes fail to see the hand of God in the people that exist upon this created world. I also noticed, though, that many of the videos were just focused on the faces. We don't see their lifestyle. We don't see their day-to-day activity. We don't see their gifts. We don't see their talents. We don't see their abilities. We don't hear them speak. We don't see if they play music or what they are invested in or what they personally add to the world. It was just the faces is all that they were putting out to us. I'm reminded of a vacation our family took many years ago to South Dakota. We went for the first time to Mount Rushmore with our small children and we were building it up for the kids. We were trying to get them excited about going to Mount Rushmore. And my daughter, Soraya, is already looking at me with piercing eyes. (laughs) We were trying to get them excited about Mount Rushmore and trying to get them to understand what we were about to see, hoping that they would catch the wonder of the, the president's faces carved into the side of a mountain. And as we made our approach... And we caught our first glimpse of this historical landmark. Soraya quickly says, what's so exciting about just faces? <laughs> and kind of was like, all right, is there a dog around here or a clown? Is there a game? Can we find something fun to do? What's so exciting about just faces? As parents, we attempt to teach our children not to judge anything or anyone on face value. Many generations of kids have heard their parents say, don't judge a book by its 
by its cover. We try to put that into the next generation. We try to get them to understand that there is more than just the face. There is more than just the outward, that there is a person, not just a person, though, a God-created person. There is a person that Jesus Christ died on a cross for. There was a person that was on his mind and in his heart when he was taking the whipping to his back and the the, the nails to his hands and his feet. There is a person, and that person is in front of us. That person sits beside us right now. We are that person. I'm thankful today to know that I've got a God that loves me that much. Three decades ago, Steve McCurry took arguably one of the most iconic pictures of all time of just someone's face. Today, it's simply known as Afghan girl, and we have a picture of that that they can put on the screen. He says, I knew she had an incredible look, a penetrating gaze, he recalls. But there was a crowd of people around us. The dust was swirling around, and it was before digital cameras, and you never knew what was going to happen with the film. When I developed the picture, I knew it was special. I showed it to the editor of the National Geographic, and he leapt to his feet and shouted, that's our next cover. Not only did Afghan Girl become the magazine's next cover, but the most successful in its history. The striking portrait of a 12-year-old Sharbat Gula, a Pashtun orphan in the Nasir Bagh refugee camp on the Afghan-Pakistan border was taken December 1984 and published the following year. The photographer, many years later, tracked her down again, and he took a new picture of her. And that picture is also there that they can show. It's actually a double picture. They can show them both. The second picture that he has of her is different. She's aged. Life has happened. He says, and I quote, time and hardship had erased her youth. Her skin looks like leather. The geometry of her jaw has softened, but the eyes still glare. That has not softened. Most recently, she has arrived in Italy. Yes, you can track her story somewhat via the internet. Most recently, she has arrived in Italy as part of the West evacuation of Afghans following the Taliban takeover of the country. The Italian government recently said, The office of the premier said Italy organized the evacuation of Sharbat Gula after she asked for help to leave the country. And now they will help her try to integrate into life in Italy, perhaps to spend the rest of her days there. When we consider the world population and where they live, we cannot consider it as humanity once did. People are increasingly not living in the country's Of their birth. In 2020, an estimated 281 million people were living in a country other than their countries of birth. This is 128 million more than in 1990, and over three times the estimated number in 1970. When we consider the world today, if somehow our brain still considers that Everybody just lives where they were born, that everybody has the the privilege and the ability 
to just be raised where they were born and in the culture that they knew and that of their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents. That is not the reality of our world today. The reality of our world today is that people at any given time can live almost anywhere. On the day of Pentecost, we find that God intentionally brought people together. Everybody say together. Acts 2 and 1 through 5. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were, the Bible tells us, dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And just so we are not confused by the magnitude of this, Scripture gives us even more details. Acts 2, 6-8. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? The people that had traveled there from every nation under heaven were now watching the 120 that were Galileans that were now speaking in heavenly language, that were now speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And these people from every nation under heaven were amazed at saying, how come I can hear some of them speaking in my language? They were amazed under the power of the Holy Spirit. There were languages being spoken by people that had no able right to know them. And we get even more specific in Acts 2, 8 through 12. And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, in Pontus, and Asia, Persia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya around Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? What does this mean is the right question, by the way. What does this mean is the right response to this miraculous moment in history? What does it mean is what should be asked because we know it is of God. We hear them, they say, declaring the wonderful works of God. We don't hear them just talking in gibberish. We don't hear them saying things about themselves. They're not talking about the king or potentate. They're not talking about anything specific to their culture but they are speaking about the wonderful works of God. They're speaking in an undone tongue. The Holy Spirit is speaking through them. But what is it speaking? It's talking about the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the power of God, the ability of God to save the soul. Oh, I'm thankful today that when the first people were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost from that day until if somebody gets filled with the Holy Spirit today, what comes out of their mouth you and I may not be able to understand but oh there is a God who sits upon a throne of heaven and as they begin to speak 
he will be glorified. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. But why? Why? Why is the question of humanity? Why? Because God was drawing humanity back together. He was bringing them back together with a common experience. He created an avenue. He created an experience that they could have, that they could have common with one another, even though they may never know the language they speak, even though they may never even understand. And we know now uh, uh, from history that there are hundreds of dead languages. So you could speak a language that nobody on the face of the earth has even spoken in hundreds of years. We may not know what someone is saying when they are speaking in other tongues, uh, but we've got a Bible that tells us uh, that when they are filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God, that they will be declaring the wonderful works of God. He was drawing people together to a common experience. He was showing a divided world that there was something beyond face value, that there was something that they could have together. There was something that could unite them. There was a way to live, a way to worship. Uh, There was a God to serve. Hallelujah. They may have come from different places, uh, dressed in different ways, uh, enjoyed different musics and food, uh, and spoken different languages, uh, even had different colors of skin and style. But when they came to the foot of the cross, Hallelujah! There was common ground for them to stand upon. And there was a one God sitting upon a throne whose name is Jesus that they could universally worship no matter where they were. There is a God that is above every nationality, tribe, and language. A God that is above every culture and skin color. There is a God that exists today above every city, state, country, or continent. There is a God, Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. God created man. Oh, hallelujah. We are his creation. No matter what you see when you look in the mirror, no matter what group you may be placed into, no matter what your birth origin is or what language you speak, God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. There is one God one creator of us all. There is no greater, hallelujah, unifier than the worship of the one true God. There is no greater common ground than to come together under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to come together where everything else will just fall apart than to come together at the cross and to worship the Lord God Almighty who was, hallelujah, who is and who is to come. Amen. Alpha and Omega, beginning in the end. From the very first time worship came out of humanity's mouth till the last moment that we worship him on this earth, there will be one God who sits upon the throne and those that come collectively together to worship him. We will be the children of God. Oh, hallelujah. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and, everybody say and, they that dwell therein. 
Not just the earth, not just the mountains, rivers, valleys, oceans, and rivers. Not just the birds of the sky, not the beasts of the field. Not just the earth or the animals, but humanity. It all belongs to him, and those that dwell on that earth, this earth, belong to him as well. The earth is the Lord's, and they that dwell therein. In Acts 17, the apostle Paul stood among people that were not like him. He found himself in a unique area of the world. He found himself in a country that was not his own. He found himself around people that he could not fully understand all of the fullness, their lifestyle, what they did. He found himself at what they considered their place of worship, a place called Mars Hill. He goes to their center of worship, surrounding by customs and people, an activity that he could not fully understand. Stands there on that hill of worship in Athens. It was during a missionary journey that covered some 3,000 miles in 100 days. And he looks upon the faces of people different than him. He looks upon their faces, but he does not stop there. He declares to these in Acts 17, 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. He has made of one blood all of the nations that dwell upon the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from any one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of our own poets have said your own poets have said for we are also his offspring. They were different in so many ways but Paul was not focusing on just the faces. They were different in so many ways, but Paul was not going to get stuck on just the outside. He was not going to just get stuck on the facade. If they truly wanted to know the one true God, Paul said, I'm here to talk about the Lord. I'm here to talk about the one God of heaven. I came all this way. I'm thankful for your culture. I'm thankful I'm getting to see things I've never seen before. I'm thankful I get to meet people I never met before. But I'm here on a mission to tell somebody about the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty. I've come to declare unto you that there is a God in heaven that you can worship right now. There was no barrier that could stop a hungry heart from finding a loving God. And there is still no barrier that can stop a hungry heart from finding a loving God. Seek the Lord, the apostle Paul told the Athenians as he stood on their hill of worship. Seek the Lord and feel after him and find him. How be he be not far from every one of us. He just got done telling him that he's the God of every human being and every nation of the world, that there is no corner of the earth that you could go where this God does not exist. And then he declares, if you'll seek him, you will find him because he is not far from any one of us. 
Come on, I'm talking about a God that right now, uh, there's somebody in another world uh, across the ocean somewhere that can lift up their hands and cry out. Uh, and the same God that you feel right now, they're going to feel right there. There's a God watching over people as they sleep while he's with us while we're awake. There is a God that's doing miracles uh, in a far off land uh, while he's doing miracles uh, right here in this church. Uh, he is a God that is not far from any of us. He's not far. He's not far. He's not far. You may have walked in here today feeling like he was very far, but that's a lie. That's a lie. He's not far. Amen. The devil likes to tell that lie, but the devil's a liar, so don't listen to him. Our flesh comes up with that stuff, but our flesh is dumb. I probably could have said that better, but... So we don't listen to our flesh. Our own heart, the Bible says, can be evil. So we can't always just follow our heart. But you have to understand there is a word. There is a word that's forever settled in heaven. There is the holy scriptures of God. Amen. That in heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word, God said, shall not pass away. And in that word, it says he is not far away. I'm telling somebody right now, you're saying, well, preacher, you don't know what I did yesterday, and you don't know the sin I committed this week. I'm telling you, there's a God that's not far away. You got the wrong idea if you think sin makes God run away. Sin doesn't make God run away. Sin is what made God run to the cross. Sin is what made him get on the cross. Sin is what put him in the tomb and brought him out. Sin is what he's looking for because he's the only one that can deal with sin. He's not far from you. He's right here. Oh, I wish if you believed that you'd clap your hands and shout unto God. Oh, hallelujah. He's beyond face value. He's beyond face value. Everyone else may just see one thing, but God doesn't see one thing. Everyone else may just put you in a group. God doesn't put you in a group. People may get up on you. God doesn't give up on you. Oh, hallelujah, because he sees beyond face value. I'm so thankful for that today. He sees beyond face value. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice what he says here. Notice the us. Everybody say us. Remember Paul is standing on a distant shoreline. He's standing on top of a mountain called Mars Hill. He's in Athens. He's a long ways from home. And this is, he says us. He does not see himself as better or worse, stronger or weaker, richer or poorer than they are. He is part of us. He says us. He doesn't say you. He says us, that God created and loves enough to be near to us. Paul declares that he is in him and that we, not you, he doesn't say you, he says we. Because they're not separate realities for a separated people. You hear me? There is no separate realities for a separated people. God is not dealing with every culture somehow differently. He does not have a different message, a different goal, a different agenda, depending on where you come from. In him, he says, Paul says, we, in him, we live and move and have our being. We are also his offspring. We. 
Oh, hallelujah. Listen, there's, 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 so much, there's so much destruction that happens when we start trying to separate ourselves and we start trying to say one is better than the other. But one of the worst things about that kind of thinking and that kind of living is you separate yourself from God's approach. Amen. One of the worst things about that kind of thinking and that kind of a heart is you separate yourself from the heart of God because that's not how he sees. Oh, hallelujah. The apostle Paul makes that clear as he stands there surrounded by this unique environment, these different people in a different place. And he says, we have a God who is not far from us. Oh, hallelujah. He said, what are you talking about? We don't even know you. We can barely understand each other. You have no idea about our culture. We don't know much about yours. We, we, you came up to Mars Hill. We've got gods all over the place that we worship. He says, I know. I even saw you have one to the unknown God. You're even worshiping one to the unknown God because you're trying to cover all your bases. And Paul says, look, I, I don't want to talk about all those other ones because I don't know about that. But I want to talk about the one you don't know yet because if you'll know this one, you won't need all of them. Oh, hallelujah. If you'll get to know this one, you won't need all the rest of them. When you want the one true God and you realize he's not very far from us and he is there to help us and in him we live and move and have our being. We are so much more than faces. We're so much more than faces. We are God's highest creation with God-given giftings, talents, and value. We are representatives of the glory and majesty of God. Hallelujah. And all of us have the ability to worship the one true God. Scripture tells us how God views man in 1 Samuel he says, the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You see, it's our heart that matters the most today, not our face. It's your heart that matters the most to God, not your face. It's your heart that matters the most to God. Our heart and what we allow for God to do in us today. What we give God permission to do. If we open our heart, it's not our face. So much more than the face. It's the heart. Man looks upon the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. I want to tell the church for just 15 seconds here, though, if I can tell you, if we're going to be people of God and children of God, then we better not be just looking at the face either. We better be people who look at the heart. Come on, there ain't no.
no way to have revival if all you see is a face. The only way to have revival is if you see a heart. The only way to have revival is if you see potential. The only way to have arrival is if you see a child of God. If you see someone that he bled and died on a cross for. The only way to reach your neighbor, your co-worker, and the person at Walmart is if you see a heart. Hallelujah. Church, hear me today. If you're a guest here today, just give me 10 seconds and we'll get back to. But I need the church to hear me. We tried very, very hard many, many years ago when there wasn't much cultural diversity in this region at all. We tried very hard to be a church that was representative at least of what was in our city. Amen. We, we, we've been doing services like this for... I don't know, 15 years, 17, I don't know. We've been doing them a long time. And yes, those first couple years, there was a lot of hot dish. (laughs) Amen. Every once in a while, somebody would pick up some fried chicken on the way. Oh, I feel it now. I feel my help coming on. We tried very hard. And I, I need you to hear your pastor. For many years, for many years, we were not only meeting the cultural diversity of our area, but we were exceeding it. As far as you're looking at the percentages, you're saying, do we have anybody? In? But I'm going to tell you right now. We're falling behind now. You say, well, Pastor, look around. How is that possible? Just go out into the town. Just go walk around Walmart. Just go walk around a store. Go to the mall. The cultural diversity of this area has skyrocketed. And it's not just one. Many, many different cultures are calling this their home. So our pastor is going to take 15 seconds here to remind us of who we are, all right? We may celebrate All Nations Sunday once a year, but we are All Nations Sunday every Sunday of the year. We may do all this just once a year, but every single time the doors are open to this church, we want every single person we can get in the building to be here. We will make a way. We will make room. We will do whatever we got to do. We will get to know them. We will not stop at the face, but we will get to the heart of the matter. We will learn who they are. We will learn about what they love, and we will learn about where they're from, and we will welcome them to the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will embrace them and say, welcome home. Thank you for being a part of Connect Point and the family of God. Amen. So we got to do a little bit better. We got to get, we got to find a way to do better. Amen. We're going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And Paul stands there and he says, it's us. It's us. It's not, it's not you and them and those people. It's us. And we don't look at just the face. We understand God looks on the heart. It was Jesus, God in the flesh, that declared of what was to come. They were his final words spoken 
to mankind in the flesh before he ascended up into heaven. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Hallelujah. You realize at that moment, this is before Pentecost, this is Acts 1. At that moment, he's speaking to a bunch of Jews who all grew up in the same place. At that moment, he's talking to people who literally, several of them are actually brothers. People who grew up on the same streets. And he looks at that group of people and some others that have come with them. And he says, you're about to receive power. It's going to come when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you're going to become my witnesses. And I need you to understand something. I need you to hear me right before he says, I, before he ascends up into heaven. It's going to be in Jerusalem. You're going to witness in Jerusalem. But you're also going to witness in Judea. But you're also going to go to Samaria. And then you're going to go to the uttermost parts. Oh, hallelujah. That's why not even that long later you have an apostle Paul on a second missionary journey crossing over a sea to stand in an unknown land and declare Jesus Christ the one true God. Mm. And in Revelation, the final book of Scripture, some of the final words of Scripture we find that same humanity from the uttermost part of the earth, that same humanity from the, those speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit empowered them on the day of Pentecost, that same humanity that is alive today and moving from place to place and country to country, that same humanity where so many millions of them are no longer living in the place of their birth, that same humanity he speaks of them. And John is given by God a great revelation of heaven. And he declares in Revelation 7, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and under the lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne out the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every people, every tongue standing around the throne saying that's our God. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. We came from all over the world, but we all got here because of Calvary. We all got here. The white robes are because we were washed in the blood. We were cleansed. We were sanctified by the Spirit of the Almighty. And that's our God. 
Oh, I wish you'd clap your hands under the Lord. Come on, somebody shout unto God. Oh, come on, I want to be a part of that someday. I'm thankful that we have what we have right here, but I can't wait to stand next to you around the throne of heaven and look at faces that I never saw before and say, that's our God. That's our God. That's our God. Stand with me if you would, please. Hallelujah. 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 I want every God-created person to be there with us. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's so much more than faces. So much more than faces. The God of the heart. The God of the soul. That God is in this place right now. The same God that some of our youngest teenagers are feeling right now. The same God that some of our eldest are feeling right now. (laughs) Same God. Age doesn't matter. Language doesn't matter. Family tree doesn't matter. Size of your bank account doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's all just face. But there's the heart, the heart, the heart of the matter, the heart of the matter. God looks upon the heart. So He's not seeing your sin, He's seeing your heart. He's not dumb. He's not ignorant. He's not been manipulated. He does not, he has not forgotten. He chooses to look at the heart because when he sees the heart, it motivates him to forgive the sin. So today is not about any of that stuff. It's just about the heart. We have an opportunity here in a moment. The front of this building is intentionally left open because this is our altar area. This is our response area. In a moment, I'm going to invite whosoever will. Let him come and seek the Lord. And if you're here today and you know that there's sin in your life, know that there are things that are unpleasing to God and contrary to his righteousness and his beauty I'm telling you don't walk out of this place but walk to this place and start saying Lord forgive me start letting your heart repent unto God because he's ready to forgive But also, if you're here today and you're in a battle and you're weary and you don't know if you can make it through, you need to come because the God of strength, the God of endurance, the God that's going to have your back is here today. If you're here today and you're sick in body, 
and you need a healing or a miraculous touch, you need to come because the God of miracles is in this place and the God of healing. If you're here today and you're addicted and you're struggling and you got chains of addiction on your mind and in your life, you need to come up here and pray because the God of deliverance is in this house right now. In this place! The God of all creation... Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.